This is The Ascending Life with Pastor Josh Blevins of Grace Calvary Chapel. Let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. In other words, the most important fruit that comes out of your theological study should be that the love you have for each other increases more and more in practical ways. We all know that for the Christian, the greatest DNA or identifier of the Christian is the genuineness of our love. The Bible teaches that the most important commandment is to love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Jesus also teaches that the second most important commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. When we love the people around us, we honor God as Jesus did in his time. And when we continue to run the race like Jesus did before us, we can achieve the eternal goal, which is salvation in God. Today, Pastor Josh tells you that to live in a better way, you must continue with an empathetic attitude towards others. Now, here's Pastor Josh in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, as he begins his message, Continue in the Better Way. But here as Paul closes the whole entire letter to the Hebrews, chapter 13, if you guys can believe it, we are uh, two to three weeks away from being done. We'll see. But Paul has been laying the case for the superiority and the preeminence of Jesus being the new and better covenant, that Jesus is better than Moses, that Jesus is better than the sacrificial system of the law, that Jesus is better than the angels, that Jesus' voice is better than the prophets, that Jesus provides a better way, and we are on a better race, chapter 12 told us, running toward not Mount Sinai, where God is distant and disconnected from us because of our insufficiency, but we are rather, we have come and are headed to Mount Sinai, open by God's grace to make available to us access to God through the blood and the sacrifice and the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And that we are to run this race before us by remembering those who have gone before us and taking their example of faith and learning from them by keeping our eyes upward, focused on Jesus and the race that he ran and the destination that we are headed to Mount Zion. And all of these first 12 chapters have been a, what I would call a theological feast. Would you, would you guys agree that like the first 12 chapters of Hebrews is very theologically deep? That you learn all sorts of principles about the Old Covenant and the Old Testament and how it ties into Christ and, and your mind's just wrapping, making all these connections. It's, it's amazing the, the theological depth. And then we come to chapter 13 and it appears almost when you read it that he completely shifts gears and now he's talking about very practical everyday life kind of events. And I really love this because I think one of the dangers we have, especially in America, with so much information and we have so many resources, is that we often confine Jesus to our theological study. In other words, the concepts of Jesus's cleansing blood, a better sacrifice, a new covenant, become nothing more than theological ideas that we process with our minds. We keep them in a nice, tidy little compartment. But what Paul does, and he does this in the book of Romans too, is he shows us that the purpose of good theology is that it ought to change the way, not merely you think, but the way that you live. 
In other words, if you're theologically aligned and you see Jesus for who he truly is and you see the kingdom that you've received that's, that can't be shaken and you see how, be- how much better he is and the theological truths are coming alive in your mind, then the next step is to take those truths and to live them out in how you live with each other and how you treat each other and how you live within your marriage and how you minister to those on the outside, right? He goes through this very practical list of things that we are to now apply these theological truths. I love how Warren Wearsby summed it up. He said, in the Bible, there is no division between doctrine and duty or revelation and responsibility. In other words, the things we learn, as James would say, do not be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. That our faith is to have works that stem out from our faith that are a blessing to those around us. I mean, really... What good is it is if, you, if you're, man, I know, now I know all about Melchizedek, and I know all about the connection between Melchizedek, but you treat your wife like a jerk, you don't love anyone around you, and you're arrogant and prideful, you know, great, you know about Melchizedek, good for you. But what about Jesus motivates us to live in the better way. We've been talking about Jesus is better. Well, the title of this morning's message, if you're taking notes, is to continue in the better way. To continue in the better way. We'll jump right in. Verses one through three teach us that to live in the better way, we are to continue in an attitude of empathy towards others. We are to continue in empathy. Verses one through three list three things where God calls us into stepping out of ourselves and into someone else's life, outside of ourselves and into someone else's life. The first one is found in verse one, four words, short verse. Let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. In other words, the most important fruit that comes out of your theological study should be that the love you have for each other increases more and more in practical ways. We all know that for the Christian, the greatest DNA or identifier of the Christian is the genuineness of our love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 tells us, God is love, and love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God. Of course, the word For that love in the Greek is the word agape, which signifies more than simply a a niceness or a a general honoring of one another. No, agape means to have a self-sacrificial kind of love, the kind of love that for God so loved the world that he gave, right? There's an action associated, a selfless action associated with the agape kind of love. Again, in 1 John Chapter 4, verse 20, John warns us, though, and he says, If someone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. When it comes to the family of God, there should be, as Hebrews tells us here, a priority of how we love. We love first God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And do you remember when Jesus was asked, what are the greatest, what's the greatest commandment, right? He said, 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's a combination of two different passages. And then what's next? Love your as? Now, that's interesting. That's how the law is wrapped up. Now, who is my neighbor, right? That, that was the next question, and Jesus defined the neighbor as anyone who's in need. Anyone that you might pass up naturally that God calls you aside to, to show love, generosity, hospitality to. Yet Jesus, when he talks to his disciples, he goes one step further. In John chapter 13, verse 34, notice this. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. The word new doesn't mean new as in never existed before, but it means to be refreshed or to be defined. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to now define for the Christian what this whole commandment is about, that you love one another. And then notice, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So notice Jesus taking it another step. He says, love your neighbor as yourself, but then he looks at the Christian, specifically the family of God, his disciples, and he says, now take it one step further. Love your brother and sister in Christ, not as you love yourself, but as I have loved you. In other words, there is a priority in Christian love. And Jesus says, this is how they will know who's they, the world will know that you are my followers, my disciples. They will know you are my disciples by your... You know, that's what you hear a lot. And people always put a period at the end of that verse. They will know we are Christians by our love. Well, don't forget the rest of the verse. By your love for who? One another. Who's one another? That are other people in the body of Christ. In other words... The Bible's clear. Galatians tells, Paul says, let us do good to everyone, but especially, priority, to those of the household of faith. In other words, we are obligated more to each other than we even are to the world. Not a trick question. Should we love the world and those who are outside? Not the sin of the world, but the people of the world. Should we love them? Yeah, God loves them. He invites them into his family. But tragically, I feel like I've seen, in many cases, people have more tolerance and love for people outside the church, and then when they get inside the church, they're, man, they're like gossiping about each other, they're criticizing one another, they're judging each other. And forgive the bluntness of the statement, and correct me if I'm wrong, not right now, but after church. <laughs> What good is it if you're, if you're out there feeding the homeless and working with these, organiza these nonprofit organizations and trying to improve the community and out there, if you, if you get with your brothers and sisters and, and you just don't want to have anything to do with them? Listen, our priority should be each other first. And Jesus says, when Susie or Joe, who are, who's out there without God and without a family and without hope in the world, look at the church, they should go, man, I wish someone would love me like they love each other. In other words, they'll know you're my disciples by how John loves Peter and how Peter loves Andrew. And when they watch from the outside, boy, when someone in, in that church is in need, someone comes alongside of them and they're radically generous or they weep with those who weep or they rejoice with those who rejoice. And so he says, let brotherly love continue and go stronger and stronger. 
Paul tells uh, the church in Thessalonica like this. He says, concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But notice here, he says, we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. I could sum it up with this statement that as Christians, how we love the family of Jesus is the most most authentic evidence of our love for Jesus. You are to love one another, show each other grace, bear each other's burdens. This is the first way that we live outside of ourselves. When I talk about living empathetically, that empathy means to step outside of yourself, to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And this reflects in another act here in verse 2. Not only are we to let brotherly love continue, and of course that, that word there, Paul doesn't use the word agape, he uses the word phileo, which is where we get the word Philadelphia. It means to be to have a familial loyalty towards, to have a fondness. You've heard it said, well, we got to love each other, but we don't have to like each other. Well, actually, the Bible calls us to strive to even like each other a little bit. The same way you would like your family. We are part of the family of Christ. But notice second verse two, he says, do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. The root word for this word entertain doesn't mean like you put on a show for them, okay? It's not like Western entertainment. It's the word that comes out of the word that we would translate uh, hospitality or to open your heart to, to take in, to provide the needs for, to show generosity towards strangers, Now, of course, this is a biblical principle because every Christian is called to a life of generosity and openness. True or false, God has opened his heart and his family to you. God has made his home available to you. It's true. And we are called now to demonstrate Christ by doing that for others. Now, I get that in our Western culture, you know, we like to protect our space, We like to protect our environments. But here's the reality. I think we would all do better to be challenged to open our hearts, our lives, our homes, and our resources to each other a little more than we do. You're not the only one. Trust me, everyone's seen piles of laundry. Everyone's seen dishes in the dishwasher or on the sink or all over the floor. Uh, Everyone's, listen, God might give you opportunity that you don't want to miss out on because you wanted to protect your space or you didn't want someone to think ill of your housekeeping ability or your perfect ability to host. You know what? You know what's going to speak a lot louder to people is how well you love them, how well you open your your resources to their life, how well you pray with them in their time of need. But I, I get away from here the point, you know, Hollywood has not produced many theologically sound movies, right? Okay, but one thing Hollywood does a lot of is they like to make these movies and shows about the personification of angels. Everyone wants to be touched by an angel. Everyone wants to experience their guardian angel and have this experience with an angel. Well, there's actually a little bit of theological truth to that statement because Paul says here, not only should you entertain strangers, but you should do so because you might never know when that stranger is actually an angelic being sent from God and you're the test subject. 
God is through an angel testing your hospitality, your response, your openness, your generosity. And this is what he said here. Apparently, when you're hosting an angel, you don't know it. I mean, think about Lot. Wasn't he grateful afterwards that he saw a couple strangers there in the city town? He's like, man, you guys can't sleep here. It's going to be a bad night for you if you sleep here. Come into my home. Come eat my food. Come. And these were angels sent to protect them, to deliver them. And they certainly did. But angels apparently travel incognito here on this earth. I don't understand it. I couldn't say whether or not I've ever been, I've ever hosted an angel before. But who could the angel be? Well, it could be anyone. That person who bumped you, bumped into you with their card at the grocery store and you just got irritated. That waitress who messed up your order and you're just frustrated with her. The person who cut you off on the, on the road. The homeless person on the side of the street that you haven't seen before. The, per, the person who visits church that maybe seems a little different. Any of these people at any time. So what's the motivation? Always be thoughtful about how you're treating everybody. Whoever it is, be a conduit of God's love to those people. Again, I don't know if I've ever had this experience or not, but I did have one interesting experience that taught me a lesson about this kind of attitude and heart. I was coming home from India, and if you've ever traveled that far, you know it's like brutal. It's like 48 hours of traveling that just destroys your body. And so I'm about, we're leaving, I don't know, somewhere in Germany probably, and we're going to take that two more flights. And so I, at the beginning of the flight, I, I asked the people, you know, you never know if, until you ask, can I get, is, is there any upgrades available, you know, for my seating? No? Okay. All right. So I, I go in the plane, find my seat, sit down, and the plane is just packed. And you know how it is. When you sit down in a row that has no other people in it, you watch everyone who's coming by, right? You kind of give them the look. And like, you kind of put your bag, your hand, you know, over here. You're hoping you get that little extra space. And so I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm praying like, Lord, I could use the space. It's been a long travel. And the last person comes on, they close the plane door and my row is empty. It's like the only empty row in, this, in, the, in the plane. And I'm like, yes. And then I see the stewardess run forward and the, the door opens. And an older woman comes and she has a walker and she comes in the plane and she's like giving the stewardess a hard time and she's grumbling and kind of complaining all the way up the aisle and she's saying about how much pain she's in and how frustrated she is with the service and you know all of these sorts of things. And, and of course, she stops right there at my seat and the stewardess kind of gives me a look and says, you know, this is, this is her seat. So I get up and like, okay, you know, she gets in there and I sit down and she's, she's mumbling some, some frustration, some complaint. And, uh, and I'm sitting like right next to her. And at that moment, if you know what I'm talking about, I'm complaining and the Holy Spirit's convicting. And I get this instant conviction Josh, what if, I, what if I sent her to you? 
Are you only, are you only capable of thinking about yourself? And so I immediately internally repented and I put a smile on my face and I looked over her and said, hey, it looks like you've maybe had a tough time getting here, but I want you to know that whatever you need on this flight, if you need water, if you need a stewardess, if you need help, you know, stretching out your legs, you just tell me and I'm just going to make sure you get taken care of. And she just looked at me. She was quiet for a minute. She said, what do you do? I said, I'm a janitor at a, no. <laughs> uh, I said, I'm a pastor. And she said, oh, I'm a Jew. We're going to have an interesting conversation this way. <laughs> and we did. Boy, I, we got into it. We talked about Psalm 22. We talked about Isaiah 53. We started talking about the prophecies of Jesus. And it was fun. She was bantering kind of back and forth. And, and I said, uh, I said, so what, where are you going? What's going on? And she got a very somber look on her face, and she said, uh, I don't travel. Maybe that's obvious to you. Uh, but my, my son is terminal cancer. He, he's going to be dying any day now, and I haven't seen him for years. And I had to go, and it's just been, it's been so hard to even get here that I've just been so frustrated. And, 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 and I'm thinking back to my initial reaction, like, oh, this woman's nothing but trouble. You know, she's... And so eventually she says, you know, I, I'm really, I really hate to ask this. You've been so wonderful, but my legs just hurt. I really need to stretch. Would you mind moving? <laughs> and so I said, sure, you know, I'll go find another seat. So I, I called the stewardess. I said, is there another seat? I just want to give this lady this row. And uh, so the stewardess finds me another seat in the very back of the plane next to, you know, some others. She sits me down. She gets on her knees and she looks at me and she says, how do you put up with that woman? I mean, she's been nothing but trouble, and I, I could understand why you'd want to leave. And I said, you know, no, actually, she's really hurting. Her son's dying, and she just needed some extra space, and I got a chance to pray with her, and she just needed someone to, to just love on her. And the stewardess starts crying. She starts crying right there on the plane, and she says, I am so convicted. I'm a Christian, and I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> And I can't believe, she said, let me, let me tell you what, I'll, I'll find a way to upgrade your, upgrade your next flight. I said, this ministry thing is not too bad. I mean, it has, it has its rewards, doesn't it? <laughs> no. But she did, and it was, it was kind of neat. But the point being, now, was that lady an angel? I, I mean, probably not. But I don't know that. I mean, I just, you don't know. You don't know when a stranger is God-sent not only for the other person, not only for you, maybe for other people watching, you don't know. But what, what is this, these first three verses, what is the calling? It's the calling to get outside of yourself. You guys, we live in a culture, in a society, in a world that is consumed with self-worship. And that's what happens when you expel God, all of a sudden there's no one else to worship but you. And it's what's best for me. What works for me? How can I? No. Jesus calls us to death of self. To let him live through us. To open our lives and say, you know what? I'm not going to neglect that need or that opportunity, but I'm going to step out of myself and see what God wants to do in this situation. This has been another edition of The Ascending Life, a ministry of Grace Calvary Church with Pastor Josh Blevins. Thanks for tuning in as we study the book of Hebrews together. 
If this teaching blessed you in any way, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 816-279-2090 and let us know more about you and what we can join you in prayer for. That number again is 816-279-2090. Or you can connect with us at theascendinglife.com. We're so glad you've been listening today to The Ascending Life, but we want to make sure this isn't your only source of spiritual nourishment. The Bible urges all of us to get involved in a local church, not just for the benefit of the body of Christ, but also for your growth on your own faith journey. If you live in or are visiting the St. Joseph area, we'd like to personally invite you to join us at Grace Calvary Church. We meet each Sunday at 8 and 10.30 a.m., and we'd love to have you join us. You can expect a time of fellowship, including worship and Bible study. For directions and more about Grace Calvary Church, visit our website at theascendinglife.com. Again, the website is theascendinglife.com. We hope to see you there. Our time with you today is coming to an end, but we're so glad you tuned in to today's message from Hebrews. Be sure to join Pastor Josh next time to learn more from God's Word, right here on The Ascending Life. Sin